says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 12, then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. So I encourage you with the word to bring your tithes and offerings to the church where you attend. You can give here in the house. You can give online at vcfpa.org. And you will be called blessed and you will be blessed. Hallelujah. And then we have our confession. Is the confession ready? Where's our middle schoolers? They belong over here. You want to round them up? Thank you. I'll start saying it. I follow God's ways. I stay true to God's word. I think about God's word. I stand a tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the rivers of life, and bearing fruit in every season. I am planted in a place of blessing, and that's just what we read about in Malachi 3. I am growing in victory. I am standing in strength. I am anointed with fresh oil. Hallelujah. I proclaim that God is good and faithful. I proclaim that the Lord is my with me. I proclaim God empowered my life for triumph. I shout for joy for all God's done for me. Mighty miracles and God's power at work in my life. I shout in celebration of praise to the Lord. I love Jesus and I trust in the Lord. My generation seeks the Lord and does what is right in God's eyes. We are a to speak the good news of Jesus for the salvation of many people. Hallelujah. 
yourself with my loves. Ground yourself with my presence. Don't look to this world for anything. Look to me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of tongues and interpretation. We receive that word. Thank you, Heartfelt Fire Worship Band. We'll be coming back to them, but we're going to teach sandwich in between worship. All right. Pastor Nelson and I will bring you the word today. Live in victory. How do you live in victory? Every day. In every way. way. Yes. Hallelujah. So if you need a Bible, we have some up here. If you have it on your phone, you can look that up. You want your iPad? All right. Check, check. What do you have for us? What do we have? We have Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's right. Hallelujah. We were just singing about building our life on God's love. And Romans 8, um, we'll start with 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave Jesus up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? So as a child of God, you're considered God's elect. So you can say this. This is verse 33 of Romans 8. Who shall bring a charge against me? No one. No one. Right? So if someone's charging you or accusing you or calling you something that you are not, you have this word right here. It is God who justifies. So you say, God, you're my father, and I call for your justice in this matter. All right. And then um, verse 34, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised. Anybody can die. (laughs) <laughs> but Jesus has been raised and lives forever in heaven. Hallelujah. He is at the right hand of God, and he is interceding for us. Yes. Jesus didn't hang up the towel when he resurrected. Oh, no. He oh. is interceding for us every day. Thank you, Lord, for interceding for me. Say yes. that. Thank you, Lord, for interceding for, for me. me. That's something to think about, right? Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It lists a bunch of things. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? In verse 37, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth. (laughs) That's a good list, right? Nor anything else, just in case you wondered. Nothing else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Awesome. And that's the firm foundation. Yes. yes. Hallelujah. 
And when, when she was speaking about when, so who can ever come against us, and he, he said that's including dreams. When the enemy is trying to come in and bring turmoil in while you're sleeping, he says, they owe you sevenfold for every one that comes in. He says, tonight, it's going to roll over. He's going to be paying back right now. Tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. Hallelujah! Yes. Tonight's the night. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Yes, tonight's the night. It Woo! is the night. <laughs> yes, thank you, Jesus. Yes. All right, my account's open. Spell it up. <laughs> I, I just seen the, the money bags. This pool. Yes. That's what I'm seeing. Money bags. Money bags. He's filling her up. All right. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. All right. What did I say the title was? Living in Victory. Live in Victory. Okay, let's define victory from 1828 Webster's Dictionary. The defeat of an enemy in battle supposes, so victory supposes, the power of an enemy or antagonist is proven inferior to that of the victor. Yes. Yeah, mm. I think sometimes the enemy or people that are pushing us or bullying us or trying to persuade us otherwise try to make themselves equal. But they're inferior, yes. especially if they're not a child of God. Right. Yes. Okay. Now, as, as believers, then we're together in the body. We're not, we're not enemies, so we're not fighting. <laughs> okay? That's a no-no. <laughs> so, this is a defeat of an enemy or an antagonist. So, we need to know we live in victory every day because we're superior and they, the enemy is inferior. Yes. Right? So we are the victor. And then, um, yes, that was the definition I wrote down from Webster's 1828. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the defeat, you know, winning a battle. It's knowing I am superior. That's why I'm walking in victory every day. Yes. And we're superior because we have been made new creations in Christ Jesus. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And we've got the word of God that we're speaking with our mouth. And the blood of Jesus flowing through our veins. We are far superior. Not itty bitty superior. Far superior. Mm. So that's something to renew our minds with. Yeah, for victory. All right. I want to read a couple of scriptures that talk about victory. I'm just going to like uh, shout them out to you, okay? 1 Corinthians 15:54. Death is swallowed up in victory. God gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So that's what we're talking about. Our victory, our superior victory, is, is su- supremely connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it swallows up death. That means there's only life. Remember Moses when he went before Pharaoh with his rod and he threw him down on the ground and they turned into snakes. Moses' snake swallowed up all the other snakes. So think of that. Death is swallowed up by the victory of God. Exodus 32, 18 talks about a shout of victory. So there is a shout of victory. That's good to know. And 1 John 5, 4, our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. So our, our faith, not faith, our faith. So each person, your personal faith is the victory for you to overcome the world. Okay? And then... Romans 8.37, which I just read in that group of um, scriptures. If you want to look up Romans 8.37, I want you to see it in your Bible, in your device, whatever you're looking at. I'm going to read it in several translations as it's so exciting. Romans 8.37, in the Amplified, Yet we are more than conquerors, and gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us so much love for us that he died for us. So love, the love of God, is an integral part in our victory. And it's a surpassing. What do you think of when you think of surpassing? Race cars, okay. Okay, an overflowing cup. Going ahead of something, so you're moving into the front of it, okay, before. Okay, anyone else? I was thinking the secretariat. The horse. Yes. He was like seven laps or something? He was out there, yeah. (laughs) It's like a huge overtaking, right? Yes. Fast. There's no, it's not, I just passed my test, right? Like, it's not a squeaking by. Surpassing is like so much more. He he, he had the victory. And it said it was, this was how God has us set up. We're gone. We already won the we already won before the gates even opened up. Yes. That's why we're more than conquerors. Yes. Hallelujah. Okay, I like the expanded Bible. It's kind of like the Amplified in a different way. <laughs> but in all these things, we are completely victorious. So that's what you're referring to. Yes. The victory is complete. There's nothing missing there. We're completely victor- victorious through God. Christ the one who showed his love to us. Oh, could, does someone have the message? 
I forgot to write it down. I just because it was so long, I was like, oh, I'm just going to read it. But I forgot to bring my message Bible. If you have it, come up here and read the surrounding verses because I know they group it together of Romans 8:37. And while you're getting that, the New Living Testament, the New Living Translation says, "Overwhelming victory." Yes. Is ours through Christ who loved us. Someone have the message ready? So they group group the um, group it from verse thirty one through thirty nine. So I guess I'm just gonna read the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even point to point a finger? The one who died for us, who who was raised to life for us, it is in the pres is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us. Yeah. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ? Christ's love for us? There is no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying, threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting we're sitting ducks. They pick us <laughs> off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of what, of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Thank you. Isn't that awesome? I think we need to read Romans 8, that started at verse 30, I think you said. Mm. 31 through 37 or 38. The end of the chapter. It's Romans 8, start around verse 31. In the message, yeah, that, that is good. I like that. Yeah. All right. And then in the Passion Translation, Romans 8, 37, yet in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors. So we're created to be conquerors. And not just conquerors, but more than that, right? God has made us to be more than conquerors, and his demonstrated love is our glorious victory. So God's glorious love is our victory. And he's already demonstrated his love. That's why we already have the victory. (laughs) Woo, hallelujah. Anything? I mean, yeah, I mean... He made us in his image. And everything he has, it's in us. And the enemy knows that. And he'll try to 
bring us down. But we know who we are. And, and and they know then there's not going to be a fight. Because they're going to walk right off. Because they know, without a doubt, that Jesus himself is ready to pounce. you got your heavenly host. The Father God, you got the Holy Spirit. What's he got? He got himself. He's the one who got kicked out of heaven. And he has nothing against He can't do nothing. The only the only way is if you let them. But we said the books we have in heaven. There's victory, written on every page. Victory, 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 victory. And that was written out before we were even born, years ahead of time. And that and that finish flag is already flying for the next race. Yes. And what he's saying now. That the door was opened up tonight. Man, he said, I see in May there's going to be a greater change in your life. It's going to be deeper, but revelations could be such deeper, much deeper. But I said, Saul, in May, but revelation, he's going to drop it down onto us. So let's be ready. Yes. I just was listening to Prophet Robin Bullock, and he said the scripture about the people did not discern the time or season. So he's talking about times and seasons. So the Lord's letting us know revelation is coming in newer, deeper ways. And so we need to be prepared to receive that. Yep. So, Father, we're thanking you for what you're giving us. A deeper, a deeper in you, with the revelation, but the, but this this is going to include going into heaven, mm. going deeper, but seeing a deeper part of heaven. Yeah. But he's, he's going to show you glimpses. But I don't know if you can see it, divine, but I, I'm seeing fields already up there. I see the green grass, but there's the hills, rolling hills. But yeah, these are things he's going to show even more. <laughs> he's just going to dump it on you, Josh. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be deep, 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 deep what's coming. Hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, Lord. First Chronicles 29, 10, and 11. Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory. So the mm. victory belongs to God. And the yes. majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted above all, as head above all. Both riches and honor come from Mm. you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. 
So that's First Chronicles 29. We need to remember that victory belongs to the Lord. And then I want to read Psalm. There's a lot in Psalms, but oh, so yeah. I just picked one. They mostly are similar. And Psalm um, 98, 1. Psalm 98, verse 1. O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked victory for him. So God works or makes victory. Different translations say different words, but God brings or delivers or makes or creates the victory. So he is and he creates victory. So we, like Pastor Nelson said, we're created in his image. So we are victory and we make victory. Yes. (laughs) Woo! All right, I want to share an account in 2 Kings 5 about Naaman and what happened there as we, I want to use this as a reference point as we talk about living in victory. And as we read this, pay attention to the characters in this story who is living in victory and who is not and why? Okay, so I just gave you the test before I read the story. So you'll know the answers. <laughs> so Second Kings 5, and we're going to start with verse 1. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria. Okay, so right now we're finding out that Naaman is from Syria, so he's not in God's covenant of Israel. He's what we would refer to as a Gentile or out of covenant. Okay? Goliath was out of covenant. The Philistines were not in covenant with God, right? If that gives you a comparison. So he is from Syria, and he is the commander of the king's army. He's a great man. With his master, he was, was a great man with his master. So this is saying he's basically equal to the king in his greatness in the eyes of, the, of Syria and the world, right? And he is in high favor because by him, by Naaman, the Lord gave victory to Syria. So... Here we see that God gave victory to the Syrian army, right? And Naaman was the mighty man of valor. It says next, but he was a leper. So he has all this going for him, but he has leprosy. So leprosy is an incurable, not curable disease. And it destroys your flesh. It eats your flesh. And it's contagious. So you were separated from other people. So it's an isolating disease. It isolates you. And it destroys you. That's what sin does to us. It isolates us and it destroys us. So that... 
is a good picture for us to not mess around with sin. Because he had all this going for him. God even used him to give a great victory. But he had leprosy. Now the Syrians, no one of their raids, now the Syrians, on, I switched, I flipped my letters. Not no, but on. (laughs) I did a flip there, Stephen. (laughs) Now the Syrians, on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. So this girl has been captured by Syria from her country of Israel, and she is a servant girl for Naaman's wife, the commander of the army. And she says to her mistress, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. This little girl who is in captivity and forced to be a servant. Look at her faith. And her compassion. This is her master who stole her from her country, her family, right, in battle. And she's saying, I have a solution for your leprosy. If he would go see the prophet who is in Samaria, look how confident she is. He would cure him. That's how confident we need to be in our God. So if ever we find ourselves hesitating or second-guessing, think of a little captive girl who spoke up to her mistress about the prophet in her home country who would cure. There was no question. She did not waver in doubt or fear. And she had mercy these, these were her, the enemies of her country. But she said, my God will cure you. Okay. So, verse 4, Naaman went in and told his Lord. So he received her instruction. He went in and told the king, thus and so spoke the little girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now. And I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold. Let's see. A talent is about 75 pounds. So he took ten times 75, 750 pounds of silver. And a shekel was about two-fifths ounce or 11 grams of gold. How much gold did he take? 6,000 shekels? Okay, I need a math person. 6,000 times 11 grams, that's 66,000? Right, 6 times 11? That's a lot of gold. Wow. Wow. He meant business, didn't he? (laughs) He took with him 
all, all the gold and silver that we just read, and ten changes of clothing. So ten full outfits. And he brought the letter from the king of Syria to the king of Israel, and the letter read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. I love how he doesn't mention, this is the commander of my army that has defeated you time and time again. (laughs) He's just my servant. (laughs) And I'm sending him to you. Now the girl said, send him to the prophet in Samaria. But the king is sending him to the king. Okay? So... He just showed up in the wrong place. (laughs) But listen, uh, this is how the king of Israel took this. Verse 7, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. So this shows the king of Israel's already defeated. He's thinking defeat. He's been defeated. He's living defeat. He is not living in victory one even bit. He doesn't even think he has a victory. That's right. He sees no opportunity except, oh, this is another opportunity for me to get defeated by the king of Syria. So we need to make sure, ask Holy Spirit to search our hearts and minds, make sure we don't have any thoughts of defeat so that when an opportunity presents us, we can take, make the most of the opportunity, right? So he tears his clothes, he wails and cries, and verse 8, but when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king and said, Why have you torn your clothes? So the tearing of clothes was a sign of mourning, of lament, of great distress and grief. So the prophet, Elisha, is saying, why have you torn your clothes, right? Let this man come now to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. Elisha thinks victory. He lives victory and he creates victory. And so shall we. Verse 9. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots. Okay, so he has to have horses and chariots to carry all that silver and gold. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So he comes in his great, you know, caravan of royalty, right, and treasure. And let's see, he comes and he stands at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sends a messenger to him (laughs) saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. So he's not only going to get cured of his leprosy, but God's going to restore his flesh, that which has been destroyed by the leprosy. 
All right. Now Naaman, his response. But Naaman was angry and went away saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. (laughs) So this is important for us to realize, don't have preconceived ideas of how God's going to cure us. Right? Or how God's going to perform his mighty miracles, signs and wonders in our lives. All right. Then we have, so he, he also goes on, we have better rivers in our country. I could, if this was the cure, I could have certainly gone to one of our clean rivers and, and dipped in it. But I don't want to go in the dirty uh, Jordan River. Is that where he said Jordan? I keep losing my place here. <laughs> I'm so excited for the, for the finish here. Okay. So he turned and went away in rage. I mean, this man, he got hot really fast. And it wasn't just a little. That was a lot. Rage. But the servants, his servants came to him and said, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? He has actually said to you, wash and be clean. So the servant is like, calm down. Did you not hear what he said? If you do what he says, you're going to be clean. (laughs) Healed and whole. So as quick as he got hot, he cooled off. Verse 14, he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan. According to the word of the man of God, we have to recognize who are your leaders in, this, in the church. They would be the man of God, the woman of God. Who has God placed an authority in your life to lead and direct you? If you recognize who has the spiritual authority in your dominion, then it doesn't matter what they say to you, you will see it and hear it as the word of God. And that's what his servants pointed out to him. And the Bible tells us, according to the word of God, his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. So this is the surpassing victory God gives us. He got baby skin again. He didn't just get it like restored to before he got leprosy. It was brand new. Brand new skin. And he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company. Can you just imagine this whole we got all these chariots and people. They're hauling their gold and their silver and their garments. And first they go to the king. Then they go to the prophet's house. Then they go down to the river. Now they come back to the prophet's house. This wasn't no small thing. And I can imagine all of Israel's watching. <laughs> all of Israel is watching. And I'm sure there's runners going back and forth to the king reporting. Because he's probably still shaking in his palace. <laughs> All right, so they return, and let's see. 
I lost my place again. I get so excited. Okay. He said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all of the earth but in Israel. Okay. He got healed and cured, got brand new baby skin, and now he's confessing God is the only God in the whole earth, the God of Israel. So accept now my present from your servant. But he said, that means prophet Elijah answered him, as surely as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none. So Elisha knows who he's standing before. He knows he's answering to God. And he says, I'm not receiving any of your gifts. And Naaman urged him to take it. I mean, my goodness, think of Naaman. He, he lugged all this stuff. I don't know how far it was, but he made a journey with all this treasure. <laughs> and now he's being refused, right? Then Naaman said, if not, please let there be given to your servant two mule loads of earth. I don't know what a mule load is, but I think it's pretty big. Give me some earth or soil, for from now on your servant will not offer burnt offering or sacrifices to any god but the Lord. In this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant when my master goes into the house. So he's already thinking, i got to go with my king. I mean, I'm his servant, and he's going to worship the false god. So I'm asking you ahead of time to forgive me. Because he recognized he still has his duties, right? He said, I'm not going to be worshiping him, but i got to go stand with him, right? May the Lord pardon your servant in this matter, matter. And Elisha said, go in peace. I like this name and guy. He, he like had all spectrums of emotions and thoughts and action. Like he's thinking ahead. Like, what's going to go? He makes his choice. I'm worshiping the God of Israel alone, no other God. But when Naaman had gone from him a short distance, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, See, my master has spared this Naaman, the Syrian, in, in not accepting from his hand what he brought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. Whoa, here's a plot twist. Wow, that surprises me. He's the, he's the servant of Elisha. That means he's with Elisha day in and day out. He's probably the servant that spoke the word to go dip in this Jordan, Right? And he has this in his heart. That's why we need Holy Spirit to search our hearts. To show us if there's anything hidden in there that needs to be uprooted. Right? So Gehazi, I don't even know how he even in his right mind thinks he's going to get away with this. <laughs> like All of Israel just witnessed this huge miracle. And he thinks he's going to go follow this huge entourage of all these chariots. And two mule loads of dirt. (laughs) All right. So that's how sin makes us foolish. It makes no sense. Right? So he goes running 
He followed Naaman, and when Naaman saw someone running after him, so that shows us he was running. He wasn't even trying to be discreet. He got down from the chariot and met him and said, Is all well? And Gehazi said, All is well. My master has sent me to say, Oh, oh, not only is he coveting things that don't belong to him, but now he's going to use the prophet's name as the one who sent him. This is bad. This is not victory. Whoa. Okay, my master has sent me to say, there have just now come to me from the hill country of Ephraim, two young men of the sons of the prophets. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of clothes. Did he think of this when he was running after Naaman or what? This story. He's not even like saying, I want it. He's like being so deceitful. Because he's not, there ain't, there's no sons of prophets from Ephraim. <laughs> he's taking it. And Naaman said, be pleased to accept two talents. And he urged him and tied up two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of clothing and laid them on two of his servants. And they carried them before Gehazi. Wow. So now he has two Syrian servants carrying all this luggage of stolen goods. And when he came to the hill, he took them from their hand, went in and stood before his master. And Elisha said to him, where have you been, Gehazi? (laughs) This is where the whistling comes in, right? My whistle's not working so good tonight. (laughs) And he said, your servant went nowhere. One lie upon another lie upon another lie. Isn't that how lies work? Yes. Yes. I went nowhere. But Elisha the prophet said, did not my heart go when The man turned from his chariot to meet you. Was it a time to accept money and garments, oil orchards and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male servants and female servants? Therefore, the leprosy of Laman, of Naaman, (laughs) the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to your descendants forever. So he went out from the presence of prophet Elisha, a leper, like snow, as white as Mm. snow. Wow. All right, here's here's the quiz. Who was operating in victory? Call it out. Naaman was operating in victory. Who else was operating in victory? The little girl, the servant girl was operating in victory. Who else? Elisha, prophet Elisha, definitely. Anybody else? 
Syrian king. Yeah, he expected it. He sent his servant. He expected He expected him to get cured, whether by the prophet or by his gifts. I don't know. <laughs> But he expected his servant, his commander, to come back cured. Who was not... Op- oh, wait, why? So why were they those three? Tell me why the servant girl was operating in victory. It was her faith. Put that up so they can hear you. It was her faith. Her faith. <laughs> her faith. Yep. She expected when the prophet spoke, whatever he spoke would happen. And she expected the prophet to speak cure, a cure for the leprosy. She knew her God. She knew that God was a good God and was no respecter of persons and that leprosy was not in God's realm of giving. Okay, so that's the girl. Then we said the king of Syria. How is he operating in victory? The confidence by sending all the loot. Yep. And he acted right away. There was a quickness. Go. Okay. And then we said um, Naaman. How is Naaman operating in victory? Yeah. Even though at first he wasn't going to, it didn't take him long to be persuaded to obey the word of the Lord. So... obedience is was how he acted in victory to the word of God. And then we said Elisha, prophet Elisha was operating in victory. So how was he operating in victory? He spoke the word of the Lord. Yep. Right. He knew he didn't have to even be seen. It was the word. He just needed to speak the word that God gave him. concerning the matter. Okay, good. And he was not swayed by the gifts. He, he turned them down. He said, "No, I stand before the presence of my God. That's who I serve. I'm not serving you. You're not paying me for a miracle." So, that's good. Who was not operating a victory in this story? <laughs> Gehazi his servant. Yep. Hey, you know what? The servants of Naaman were operating in victory because they said, "Look, did you not hear what the man said? If you go wash, you will be cured." Yep. So, they were also operating yes. in victory. They encouraged their master, "Hey, he just said go wash and you will be cured. Why don't you do this?" Okay, good. Sometimes we need a little nudge. Yeah. And the okay so we said Gehazi the servant was not operating in victory. This was a total fail. Yeah. A total fail. So what I want to encourage you with is look at wh- how it started. Look at Gehazi because we might think it's a small thing and it's not we're you know it's not that important, but look how quickly it grew out of control and by the end of the day not only was he a leper but he just brought leprosy upon his entire 
lineage. So we have to recognize when we're making decisions and walking in victory, our victories are going to affect our generation, not just those around us, but our generations, our lineage for right. of generation upon generation. Yeah. Right. So this, I believe this story, this account, this true account of Naaman and Prophet Elisha and Gehazi and the servant girl and all the other characters, this will really, really secure and, and sink in how to live in victory every day of your life. All right. So, we have two songs. Yes. Are you going to stay down here and, and pray, or are you going to play? Okay. So, I'm going to ask our Heartfelt Fire worship team to come back up. This is going to be your declaration of victory, your response to the message. You're saying in these songs how you're going to live every day in victory. All right? So this is your response to the word of God. This is our altar time. The Lord's going to minister to you as musician. And the Lord's going to minister to you as, you know, participants in singing. We're all going to receive the hand of God creating victory in our lives.